Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Let's just start at the beginning, the open bit of this. We're in the Open Data Institute. Um, I've been involved in open data full-time for about four or five years now. Um, And one of the things that the uh, open data community got right early on was a really clear definition of what it means to, for open data means. And it's, it's basically, it's free to reuse, subject to only attribution or share alike. Share alike means that you must also make the product of it uh, open on the same uh, share alike basis too. And the critical thing about this and, and why open, true openness as opposed to open in inverted commas or open wash, is that it's about removing restrictions. It's about making things easy to do, re- reducing ba- uh, burdens. I've been in the, in the private sector my entire life. Uh, uh, before I got involved in open data, I used to run magazine companies and had my own company. Um, and before that, I was a journalist. Um, and, and, and actually, business is all about having to tackle those burdens and having to overcome them. And if we really want, uh, you know, and, and if you, from a business point of view, uh, the fewer burdens that you have to deal with, the more uh, you can get on with, uh, with, with just doing good stuff. And actually, this was acknowledged by the G8 um, last year when they signed the Open Data Charter in Loch Erne in Ireland. And it, and it was talking, and basically they all agreed these principles. And the reason, you know, they, they agreed uh, that their government data, and the G8, including, uh, including uh, not just um, the UK, but uh, France, Italy, uh, Japan, Germany, um, Russia even, um, agreed uh, uh, open data by default there should be uh, not just a lot of data but it should be high quality important data too it's about being reusable usable by all of course it's about governance better governance, better understanding of what's going on in our governments but it's also about innovation and that's what I really want to talk about now um, the thing is though most people don't care about open you know, um, those of us who, who, who have been living in it, those, it, those who have been involved in open source, uh, issues like IP, many people in that, those worlds do. But the truth is, is that when you start talking to people about open, then uh, uh, most of them don't know what you're talking about and, and frankly don't care. And that's not because they're bad people, it's because they've got their lives to live. They're getting on with their day-to-day jobs, they're getting on with, the, with their other aspects. But it's also true that they don't care about many, many things which are vital to their worlds. They don't care about, uh, about internet protocols. They don't care about how the, the, the internet works. They don't care about uh, how uh, GPS or 3G or LTE works. Uh, they don't understand uh, many of the, those really highly technical things that are involved in them using websites which work for them or smartphones which work for them or, or things just working properly, you know. Um, yet these things, these uh, systems that we build, these, these uh, principles that we, that we uh, build on um, and the standards that we use are absolutely fundamental to the lives we live today. And they're also fundamental to democracy, to competition and to innovation. Um, and actually, when you start to look at the, the, the open versus the closed, the, 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 the heavily proprietary stuff, in many ways, open data, and actually in very many ways, open data is, is better than, than those proprietary things because it's, it's this fundamental thing about reducing the barriers, allowing innovation to start. If you, if you, before you even start on this new idea, you've got to go and buy this, buy that, buy that, 
sign this license over here, do this agreement over here, then that's a huge barrier to, 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 to starting. And, and only a, a certain type of company uh, will, will go down that route. Um, it's also about making it so that you, that you don't have entrenched positions, that you can compete with uh, things uh, with other companies more. Um, from a point of view of sharing, uh, for cross-organization sharing, much better for efficiency. Um, and, uh, I, I, and that thing of, you know, if I have to, if, if there's some data out there that I can just have a look at, um, then that's, that's, that's something I can do in the spare time. If I've got to sit down and have meetings with people, you know, um, then, then, then these things are really critical barriers. You know, anyone that deals with, with uh, uh, government data day-to-day, and, and actually we all deal with government day-to-day, day-to-day even if we don't realise it, um, uh, you know, knows that the, many of those barriers are, actually, what the hell does this mean? What are those fields called? What, how is this stuff stored? What do, how do we make sense of this? And, and getting meetings, finding, finding out, finding even, finding even someone to, to ask the questions is really problematic. But, you know, the other thing that Open is really, really important about is not just some of those high-level, you know, societal-type uh, benefits, those, those issues about wouldn't it be a better place if we had this, but it's, it, it's critical um, uh, about, uh, on quality as well. We strongly believe and have a lot of evidence to show that open is better quality than closed. Um, these are the common uh, proprietary data quality issues. Um, the accuracy, um, usually, uh, it's, uh, and this is particularly true of, of, of company information, uh, data is rekeyed all the time. Um, uh, because it's, it's sold for high prices, there are very few eyeballs. There's a little downside to lying. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the, the government is now going for an open beneficial ownership register as opposed to the closed uh, things because people lie and if only a certain number of, uh, uh, of uh, eyeballs are looking at it, it's very easy to get away with those lies. There's lots of gaps in the data um, because it's, it's limited to the, to the ones where there's a, a proven business case for pulling in the data. Um, uh, the granularity is very weak. Uh, these are businesses that have, uh, particularly in the business information world, that have been around for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. They've got legacy systems, legacy data models. Very hard to engineer, re-engineer those, bring those forward to a, 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 a one that's more relevant, that's more useful, and that's more appropriate to the computing world we live in today. Um, there are a few feedback mechanisms. And the critical one for me, and we're finding, we're finding this and we've been dealing a lot with the financial industry in the last, uh, um, last year or so, this is, this is becoming incredibly important, that the data that you buy from proprietary systems is, in general, black box data. You don't know where it came from, you don't know when they got it, you don't know, uh, uh, and, and that is a problem. As a, a former journalist, before you go to print on something, you need to know that that's true. But actually, also, if you're doing credit risk and so on, if you're doing... Um, uh, if you're understanding uh, how to put this into a, a model, it becomes incredibly uh, problematic if you don't know whether this piece of data and this piece of data, what, what, what context that they've got. This one may be three weeks old from, from uh, a, a public source. This may be three years old from, and it may be modelled. It may have come from some phone call or some piece of paper that you don't know where it came from in, in itself. So, and if they both go into the same model, and, uh, 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 and they're both treated in the same way, 
then that basically means your model is screwed up. Um, and then fi the, the final thing is that the, uh, when you get proprietary data, you usually get proprietary identifiers. Um, and, and these are just, uh, you know, uh, always internal identifiers, which are um, uh, not only do they have um, barriers on reuse, on sharing, on, on, uh, on linking to other data, uh, it's also not clear what they relate to. Do they relate to, in the case of a DUNS number, does it relate to a, a, a company, a legal entity? Does it relate to a, 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 an office, a building that, that that company does it? Is it to a head office? And the truth is, is that you don't know. Uh, what, it, what it actually re relates to is an entry in their database. That's what proprietary identifiers do. They they're essentially keep identifiers that, that uh, identify a row in their database. So uh, what have we been doing specifically in this area about uh, information about companies? So anyone that is, you know, if you work for a company, you should care about this. If you do business with other companies, you should care about this. If you procure from companies, you should care about this. If you uh, sell to companies, you should care about this because this is the fundamental data set on which our business world uh, are, uh, is, is based. So we went from 3 million to 60 million in the space of three years. We have a, a central goal. It's very simple to articulate, but it's actually quite hard to do. Uh, but we are, I think, you know, the fact that we've gone from 3 million to 60 million shows how much progress we've made in it. We want an open database, an open license database, in which there's an entry and, and, and an associated uh, IP-free identifier for uh, every company in the world, every, and by company we mean legal entity. Now, you might talk about something like Microsoft. What is Microsoft? Well, Microsoft doesn't actually exist in many ways. Um, uh, there is Microsoft Inc. of Washington, uh, but actually most of the business that Microsoft does isn't through Microsoft Inc. of Washington. Many of the household names we, we, we think of, the PLCs, are actually non-trading holding companies. They actually don't do any business. So what you've got actually is, is networks of, of uh, large numbers of companies um, which, which uh, together, large dozens of legal entities which generally act in concert. And where those boundaries lie, well, is this joint venture? Does that count? Does this minority stake in which it has the minority stake with the largest minority stake, is that part of it? And whether they work together and exactly how they work together is, is much more complex. So what we, uh, what we do is we deal with the ground truth. What actually is happening from a legal perspective? And what happens from a legal perspective is that when you create a company, you create a, a, a legal construct, an artificial legal entity. Uh, in some places they're called, um, they're called um, uh, unnatural persons, for example. So by pulling all this together, it allows you to do uh, a number of things. Um, firstly, um, uh, we've created an identifier based on company numbers, so we don't have any IP in, in it. Um, it's it's, uh, it's IP-free, and it's also useful in itself because you've got the, the, the identifier, which is a combination of the, the jurisdiction and the com company number, and, uh, and, and already you've got some useful information there. Um, you, you know which ju jurisdiction to go to, and you know what identifier to give them to get more information. Um, search is incredibly powerful. Um, uh, there's a lot talked about uh, information asymmetry. 
But I think more important than information asymmetry is friction asymmetry. You know, as a former journalist, you know that one of the decisions about whether you do the story or not is it's a cost-benefit analysis. How big is this story going to be, and how long is it going to take me to research it? If it's going to take me um, uh, two hours to research it, I'll do it as long as it's going to be a story. If it's going to take me two weeks to re research it, it'll better be a darn big story for me to do that. If it's going to take me two minutes to research it, then that's fine. And so what, by, by making it trivial to search multiple jurisdictions in one place, um, then what you're doing is reducing the friction involved in that. And whether you're a journalist, whether you're an investigator, whether you're looking for potential customers, whether you're uh, looking for to see if the companies exist here, but were they, or whether they're in this jurisdiction, this sort of thing is absolutely critical. Um, and essentially, you know, Google has been, you know, this is what Google is all about. It's just about reducing friction. Um, so we're also pulling in additional information, addresses, filings, websites, trademark information, and so on. I'll come back to that uh, uh, shortly. Um, uh, official notices. So in the UK, we have things called the London Gazette. Where do you find out that the company is, has got a, 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 um, a meeting of creditors, for example? Where do you find out that there is a, a winding up petition being served against the company? Where do you find out that there is a, that the liquidator is appointed? It's not first the company's house. In fact, that's often quite a, a lagging indicator. Uh, it's actually on the, on, the, the UK, on the London Gazette or the Belfast or Edinburgh uh, Gazette notices. Uh, which we pull in every every night and match to the companies. Um, uh, from the beginning, we've been pulling in health and safety executive violations. Um, uh, we've got some government spending, which I'll come to later. So, this is actually how we got started in open corporates. There's a problem called entity reconciliation or entity resolution. Um, you've got a name of something, but what does that relate to? It's a really hard problem. Um, it's particularly hard in the area of companies. Um, so you've got Microsoft Research LTD. Um, you've got Microsoft Research UK LTD. Are they the same company? Are they the same as Microsoft Research UK Limited? Well, some of that is you can do with normalization, but actually the answer is there is no way of knowing. There is no algorithm that is going to answer that question. So we started by pulling in, by, uh, I started in this area because we were looking at local authority, local council spending data, and it turned out that uh, the, the virtually no councils collect the company numbers. Now, in the UK, if you write a letter as a company, you have to put the company number on there. If you send an email, you have to put the company number on there. If you pretty much do anything, you have to put the company number on there. But the local councils didn't collect this information, and so you had all these dif different names. The problem is, is that when, uh, when uh, the companies change name all the time, it is incredibly frequent for companies to change the name. You look at any sizable company that's been around for 10 years, and it's probably changed its name sometime in that, in that period. And more than that, companies reuse names. They reuse them for several reasons. Oh, 
AA Plumbing has just gone out of business. Well, AA, AA B Plumbing says, oh, we'll have that name, AA, because then we'll look, you know, it used to be that you'd be hiring the telephone directory on the, the directory. But also they're used for joint ventures. So you look at something like Tesco Mobile Limited, and that's been associated with, I think, three different companies, three different distinct companies with different ownership over the last 12 years. So uh, company names are reused. So just because uh, there's a name over here and a name over here and they're different doesn't mean it's not the same company. And just because they're the same doesn't mean it is. So uh, we provide an interface to allow, uh, allow matching of data. Uh, and then finally, the most important part of all is this is actually a platform for data, not, not just a website. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, we make the data available. Uh, we're starting to allow people to, to contribute data in a number of different ways. Um, uh, and uh, we have a, a, a robust version API. Um, this was something that somebody did with it, which was basically taking Thames Water and look and see the connections between um, between directors, uh, which is a, a, actually a, a difficult thing to do because is John Smith the same as John Smith? Um, but you, on a statistical large scale level, you can you can actually uh, not worry about the false positives, and this is what he did. And we're we're looking at how to incorporate this into open corporates. Um, so uh, uh, company directors, of course. Um, doing reverse searches, um, uh, uh, PwC in uh, Washington DC, their, their um, uh, forensic accounting department uh, use this all the time <laughs> for finding people and how they're connected and, and you know, similarly named people. Because it's important not just you know the, the companies that that person owns in that jurisdiction or that person is a director of in that jurisdiction, but in all the other jurisdictions, all the other potential jurisdictions as well. And it was quite interesting when I was in Kenya about a year and a bit ago, um, seeing uh, journalists in Kenya look for polit politically important people and powerful people in Kenya and finding their names on the, on the UK company register, direct list of directors. Um, uh, now we're tackling, we've been uh, tackling corporate structures for the past year or so. Um, uh, this is actually Goldman Sachs. Um, uh, we got a, uh, We actually, even though we're for profit, we got a grant from the um, uh, Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, who one of the early backers of Wikipedia, um, because we're opening this up. It's all in the public interest. We've done. Um, uh, we've, we've made a huge amount of data available. This is what it comes down to. This chap was the uh, was the deputy board of trade. He came to answer the executor. He steered through the 1856 Company Act. Now, the 1856 Companies Act was the one that introduced en masse, large-scale, uh, uh, limited liability um, joint stock enterprises. And this is what he said, and it's true today uh, as it, is, was it was then. It's absolutely essential to give the greatest publicity to affairs of companies so that everyone would, may know on what grounds he's dealing you basically, the fundamental thing is you need to know who you're doing business with. And, uh, and at the moment, because of the complexity of companies, the company structures, you just don't know that. You don't know how this company is connected, whether actually uh, there's a parent over there that won't, won't stand behind its debts. You don't know actually whether your government, uh, government uh, getting a, a contract to a company that is actually 
uh, being done for breaching sanctions, for example, um, or where the, the money is all going offshore. This is, just, this is just the fundamentals of business. It's actually fundamentals of a free market that you understand the, uh, you understand the, the, the market itself. Um, proprietary data sets on corporate networks, incredibly, uh, uh, and by corporate networks, I mean which companies own other companies, how they're, they're the siblings and so on. They're highly problematic. They're really expensive, huge gaps. Of course, they use proprietary identifiers. They come in with extremely restrictive licenses, and they're almost entirely opaque. You have no idea how to... Well, actually, I'm not sure that this is the parent of that. How do I, how do I double-check that? You just have to trust us, is the answer. And, uh, but uh, we'll only guarantee it to, let's say, 60%, uh, because, of course, we know that there's lots of errors in it. Um, and so the result is this critical data set is incredibly low quality, what we did was we, we basically looked at this from an open data perspective. What public information is there out there that we can start to build this from the ground up? Again, taking this perspective of, you know, uh, this is the ground truth. This is what, this, this company over here has in, been incorporated in this register, this one in this register. Uh, and uh, we, um, uh, we took it from, to start off with, we're now taking it from more sources than this, but we took it from... Uh, uh, this is actually from the New Zealand Company Register. The New Zealand Company Register makes detailed shareholding information available freely and openly, and, and actually through the API as well, um, if you've got API access. We take it every night, we go to the SECs, the US's Security and Exchange Commission, um, their filings, and download the subsidiary data from that. So this is shareholding data, this is subsidiary data, this is from the bank, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank, um, uh, in the US and uh, they make uh, uh, detailed hierarchy information that is which companies own which companies own which companies for, for the biggest banks in the US um, the top essentially the top 500 banks in the US and we're also um, working with some crowdsourcing stuff um, these are some examples of what, we, what we're discovering this is what you get from the SEC that's what they tell you at the SEC this is stuff they don't include at the SEC filings that's from New Zealand's shareholding data. Uh, this is actually uh, uh, errors we're finding in the data by combining it all together. This company does not exist. There is no Cladorus Investments Too Limited of Luxembourg um, because we've got all the Luxembourg companies. This is actually a, a part of Barclays Network. Um, and what it is, but the, what, the, what there is, is there's actually a, a company called Claudus Investments Too. So they, there's a, uh, the... Uh, you should be in front of the deal, they've been, they've been transposed, and that's actually a Cayman Islands company with a branch in the UK. Um, and actually, it's pretty darned important to know whether you're dealing with a Cayman Islands company, a Luxembourg company, or a British company. Um, this is uh, some early stuff we did on, on uh, Barclays. Um, it's a lot more complicated. These are highly simplified views. There's a lot more data in there. It's actually a lot more simplified, a lot more uh, complex than this is. This is, this is uh, Morgan Stanley. Um, uh, this actually is from the SEC data. This is from, uh, from other sources. Um, uh, the, um, uh, uh, but already we can start to do, find some interesting things. So here you've got all of these things in the UK and Germany and so on, Sweden, and then this thing which owns it 
which itself is owned by American institutions, is actually an unlimited company. It means it does not have limited liability. It doesn't actually matter. Then not having limited liability gives it some reporting requirement uh, benefits, but it doesn't actually matter if it's unlimited because everything it owns is limited. So there can't. It, it's not exposed to any any uh, debts essentially. Um, as I said, this is uh, so. This one is uh, uh, part of Goldman's showing. So I think this is uh, about eight steps along or something. Um, it shows the, the the nature of the ownership structure. Uh, actually, the Fed's Federal Reserve's data ends there, and we've added this stuff. We've combined with this stuff. The U.S. of course, this is one dot per entity in the U.S. The U.K. Ireland, this is Luxembourg, pretty important. This one's Cayman Islands. Um, uh, and then finally, we're, we're, we're doing some uh, work on with crowdsourcing. It's incredibly hard. It's hard for, in many ways, the crowdsourcing. This is not trivial, trivial work to do. Um, uh, we actually think of it as ninja sourcing rather than crowdsourcing um, because you really need to have some, 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 some skills in order to understand it. But we, we actually looked at the, um, the, 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 the Facebook, um, just a tiny, tiny part of Facebook. Um, the thing about Facebook is Facebook thinks what's important is not what your social security number is, you know, uh, that sort of type of thing. It's actually who your friends are, how you're connected with other people. And... Um, the, uh, uh, what, what films you went to see, what photos you're in with other people, what songs you just listened to, what other things you liked. Um, so uh, we had a look at the Facebook uh, information at the SEC. So they actually only list six subsidiaries uh, in their SEC filings, only two of which have Facebook in the name. So um, uh, the idea that you can do it just from names um, it, it's, it, you know, it is it, shot down by that. Well, we looked at two of them in particular um, and actually went to the original filings and we're doing this now with one of the big oil companies in conjunction with Open Oil. We're now doing an investigation into mapping the entire network of one of the big oil companies. We, here we did, this was a, a, a trial run of this. We looked at uh, two of them in particular, these two <coughs> Irish companies Facebook Island Limited and Edge Network Services, um, and then went to the original, got the original filing documents, the original shareholding information, and actually found it was a lot more complicated than just Facebook owning these. Uh, Facebook Island Holding, uh, uh, Facebook Island is owned by Facebook Island Holdings. Edge Network Services also, although via a company called Random Us Investments Limited. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes up through these channels up to a Cayman Islands company, Facebook Cayman Holdings Unlimited One. Uh, now, these little things here, 999 shares, one share. So, um, uh, effectively, 99.9% .9 of the shares are owned by um, uh, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook International Holdings Two Limited, but one is owned by Cayman Islands, Unlimited Cayman Islands Company. Um, whenever I see companies called unli uh, companies with unlimited liability, my, the alarm bells always start going off my head because it would be why on earth would you want to have unlimited liability when you could have limited liability? Limited liability is 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 one of the fundamentals 
of uh, company structures, and it means that the shareholders aren't responsible for the debts. So what, and, and this is counterintuitive in many ways, but it's responsible for the growth of companies and, and for much prosperity. What it says is when the liabilities exceed the assets, and the assets are the monies the shareholders put in in the first place, then the difference is not borne by the shareholders, it's borne by the, uh, the customers who don't get the goods, the suppliers who don't get paid, the staff who don't get their wages, uh, the government that doesn't get the tax, and so on. Um, but but, but it, it encourages people to take risks and to, 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 uh, to set up uh, to, to risk equity, knowing that they'll only lose what they, what they, what they put in. So, but the idea that you are uh, liable for a lot more is something that you, you always, you know, to me always raises a, a question mark, is what are they getting by doing that? What are the downsides and what are they getting by doing that? But here, again, 999 shares, one share. 999 shares, one share. We don't actually know. This is an unlimited company. We can't find out who the shareholders of this company are. We just think that it's, uh, it's highly, highly, highly likely because this has said that it controls this. And assuming that 100% equity equals control or 99.9% .9 equity equals control, then we can uh, confidently infer that. But this is the nature of the... Com this is the complexity we're dealing with. So we think that... Open data is absolutely the fundamental foundation on which all the, the future of business information is dependent. Most of the business information in the world, when you buy it from you know, Thomson Reuters um, uh, or um, uh, 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 Dun & Bradstreet or, from, um, uh, or those sorts of things, it's very much, you know, it, it's likely that it's, it's, most of it is based on public data. It'll, it requires, when you start building businesses on open data, it requires that you focus your business around adding value rather than, okay, we bought this now, how do we, how do we rent it out? How do we have a, a rent-seeking business model? Um, there's still a lot of value that you can add on that. Um, you know, you look on, on uh, uh, there are some successful, very successful open source companies. Um, and it allows, uh, allows verticals to be built on this, on this base platform. Uh, but you should very much watch out for, for hidden IP that people will put in with it. Um, I'm going to uh, finish there, more or less. It's just some bits of things which are, some of which are open and some of which are, are not open. We're involved in, the, there's a thing called the Global Legal Entity Identifier System, which we've been involved in for the uh, last couple of years. Um, and uh, what we're doing now is we're taking lots of public information, filings, data, um, and, and matching, that to, uh, matching that to the companies, stopping them from being orphaned. So these are, we've, we've actually mapped, we've actually imported rather, um, about 400,000 financial licenses in the US um, from all the different states. Um, uh, we're pulling in financials from the UK uh, now that the UK makes these available as open data, um, there's a hell of a lot more to do. We reckon we've got billions or possibly hundreds of billions of, of, of data points to pull in, ultimately. And, of course, it's all available through the API. And this is basically how we make money. You either say that you're going to contribute it back 
to the uh, community under the Chevrolet license, or we have some extremely uh, keenly priced uh, 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 data plans, which mean that you don't have to do that if you have a proprietary data set, for example. Uh, and that's it. Chris, Sorry. thank you very much. I did go 10 minutes <laughs> You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture, brought to you by the Open Data Institute.